introduce you to some missionaries. We've gotten to know them a little bit. If you were with us in Sunday school, they shared their heart. They've been in ministry. They've been in, in, in missions for over 20 years, been missionaries to the Netherlands, uh, Dutch-speaking places, and now God's calling them to a new place, still speaks Dutch, uh, but, but a new location other than the Netherlands, and they get to tell you all about that, but their heart just bleeds for missions, and, and God is doing incredible things, calling them to some remote places, and it reached some people who've never been reached with the gospel before. Uh, so Tim and uh, Marquita, welcome to Aberdeen, sunny Aberdeen. They, they came here, and they're like, man, this is kind of cold out here. Like, no, this is this is warm. You guys brought the weather with us. It. Like 70 degrees out today. People are going to be wearing shorts and t-shirts today. I mean, break out the swimsuits. It's going to be a good day. So, Tim, would you join me? And uh, we're excited to hear what God is doing in your part of the world. Thanks, Pastor Ben. Thanks. Now let me switch your mic. Okay. This is this is the good one. We want to give you the blessed mic today. <laughs> okay, thanks. Thanks, Pastor. Thanks. Hey, good morning, everyone. It's so good to be here today and to, to be with you, and uh, it's just exciting. I finally got to meet Pastor Ben. I've been talking to him uh, a little bit on the phone. Off, oh, I'm speaking Dutch or often, off and on, and um, I'll tell you, I want you to know that uh, we met, uh, I, I met Pastor Gary and Pastor Joni many years ago in Europe, and uh, boy, just our hearts, I just want you to know that a lot of people have been praying with you. Not just in America, but I know churches in Europe that prayed for you this morning already. Churches in Latin America. And I want you to know that, that you are greatly loved. And uh, it is so great to be here. We finally get to be here and to be with you. And just to see what God's doing. Because at the end of the day, what really matters is what God's doing. At the end of the day, the only thing that lasts is what God's doing. And I've learned a long time ago, if you'll get in line with what God's doing... Great things are in store. And uh, as Pastor mentioned, you can take your Bibles and turn over to 2 Corinthians while we're, while we're I'm just going to talk here for a minute. But as you're turning there, I want to uh, just say thank you for the opportunity to come and to share a little bit. Uh, 25 years ago, uh, Marquita and I were pastoring in uh, Illinois when God gave us a heart to reach Dutch people. We went to the Foreign Missions Committee and we said, we will go to the Dutch Amsterdam over in Europe. Or we will go to the Dutch Antilles down in Latin America, islands and Suriname, Dutch-speaking places. So we took our two little boys and moved and lived outside of Amsterdam for 20-some years. While we were there, we had a third son. Uh, he's our, we re, I was telling him in Sunday school, we really do have a Dutch baby. I mean, we really do. It's a real thing. He's a Dutch baby. You need to pray for him because for the rest of his life, every time it says, where were you born, he has to write the word Leitschendam. Every time, that's where he was born. And so you need to pray for him because uh, he's got to learn to spell that and uh, live with that the rest of his life. And then when people ask, he's got to say that. And so uh, you need to pray for him. He's a, he's a youth pastor in Austin, Texas. He's 21. Our 27-year-old teaches at the University of Wyoming. He's our, uh, the counselor in the family. And our oldest boy is uh, James. He's 30, and he uh, is, teaches at the uh, Southwestern Assemblies of God University as an assistant basketball coach. The two older boys are married, and between them, we have three granddaughters. And so uh, life is good, and you would think it's pretty much all set. This is what you're going to do. We've got it. And the Holy Spirit has a way of saying, well, I don't think so, because remember what I said, it's all about what is God doing, and how can I be a part of it? And so uh, we went to the executive committee again and said, after all these years living in the Netherlands, what about the Netherlands Antilles? And to make a long story short, they said, we've been praying and asking God to give a seasoned couple who speak Dutch. 
yeah, this, what, my hair was not like this when I started this journey. And uh, so I'm a little seasoned, and we do speak Dutch. And so we said 10 days later, we walked through the door and said, what do you think? And so we've made this move and this transition. This morning, we want to look at the Word of God together, and I share a little bit about missions and all. I just want you to know I grew up on a farm in Illinois. Marquita grew up in South Africa, and her father was then in the military. She grew up in the St. Louis area. And so we've come from a church like this one. In fact, we were married in a church like this one. And we're people, just like everybody else. But God has a wonderful way of using people, just like everybody else, to do things. And God wants to do that. I was telling this Sunday school, one of the greatest lies of the enemy is that, is that God wants to do something with someone else. God wants to do something great somewhere else. Those are lies with the enemy, friend. God wants to do something great with you, and he wants to do it right here. Right here. Right here. Right here. He wants to do it. I'd like to pray in Dutch before we begin, and uh, we're going to look at this passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, and uh, I'll only read it first. 25 years ago when we started this journey, I did not need these, and uh, I have, you know, we have these dollar readers, I don't know if you do that, they're just laying all over the house, they're like pacifiers when we had kids, you know, we just throw them over, we learned really quick, you don't just buy one pacifier, you buy bunches of them and lay them all over, well, now we do this with these, so you don't know where they'll pop up. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, it says, But thanks be to God who always leads us in a triumphal procession in Christ, and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one were the smell of death, to the other the fragrance of life. And who is equal to such a task? Why don't we all stand? I'll, I'd like to pray. Let's all stand if you could before we look at the word together. And I'd like to pray in Dutch. Hemel's a father, thank you, Jesus, for our time with each other Thank you for this community. I've been so thankful, Jesus, for the love price. You've been a heilige here. You've been a heilige, waardig is het lang, Jesus. And I bid for one morning for our time with each other. I bid for your solving, Jesus. Say what you will to me. Say what you will to us, Jesus. What will you stem for your glory in Aberdeen, Jesus, in this state? And Jesus, I bid also for Pastor Ben, Jesus, and the whole team, and the love price team. I've been so thankful for all. And I bid you know in the name of Jesus. Amen. Did anybody get any of that? Huh? Did you get Pastor Ben? Did you get that? Yeah, back there. You got Pastor Ben, didn't you? How about the word Aberdeen? You guys in the balcony get Aberdeen? Yeah, they did up there. I'll tell you what, turn to somebody and say, you know what, your Dutch is as bad as you think it is. You got a few words as you're being seated. God bless you. I told him in Sunday school when I moved to the Netherlands, I knew, I knew five words. I knew bread, cheese, knife, fork, and spoon. And fork is fork in Dutch. So one of the five I already knew. So uh, I was, it was awful learning Dutch. But we did it, and uh, God blessed it. And it got pretty, there was a few moments it was really bad. Uh, in fact, I won't tell on somebody in the house, but uh, she told a pastor one time in front of a bunch of people, God's called us here to stone you. That's what she said in Dutch. And that, that was not the right word. We were not there to stone anybody. And uh, I love Marquita, but, and she doesn't stone people, but she did tell them that. And uh, I don't, but don't feel bad. I called, like Pastor Ben, I called a pastor one time. I called him Pastor Monkey in front of his whole church. I'm so glad to be here with Pastor Monkey today. And so that, that didn't go over very well either. But, um, but God has a way to blessing us. I heard this story a long time ago. A friend of mine told it. It's a true story. It, uh, it's an old story. If you've heard it, forgive me this morning. But it, 
It goes, well, I heard it a long time ago. In fact, my friend was an air traffic controller and told me this story. Years ago, when the Europeans started toying around with the bullet trains, they were testing the windshields on the bullet trains. And they knew about the FAA here in America. They had, the, the, the Federal Aviation Administration had these machines that would test the windshields. Can a windshield withstand a bird hitting it? And so they had this machine to test that. And in the FAA, among the guys down, you know, around the, around the water uh, cooler, guys just talking, this was not the official name, but the guys called it the chicken launcher. What you would do, you would take a bird, you would stick it in the machine, you'd pull the trigger, and as fast as it would come out of it, like an airplane, it would hit these windshields to see can it withstand the impact of the bird hitting a windshield. The Europeans thought this is a great idea because we need to test the windshields of our bullet trains. They're going to be going 300 miles an hour, so we need to test one of these. So what they did, they called him, hey, could we borrow the chicken launcher? Americans said, sure, you can borrow the chicken launcher. So they flew it over to Europe. This is before email and all of that. So they flew all the equipment. They, they went out on the train tracks. Here was the, the train. They got the windshield. They got everything set up. Here we go. They set up the chicken launcher, loaded it, pulled the trigger, and man, this bird came out of there, 300 miles an hour. It hit the windshield of the train and shattered it. There was a crash test dummy there. It took its head right off. There was a computer, a computer panel in the back. It hit the back of that and lodged right into that, shattering it. The Europeans like, oh, my goodness, this is horrible. We, we've got some serious problems with our windshields. We've got to do something. So they, they'd videoed the whole thing, and they had all the data. They hit the buttons, got it all printed out, got the video together, put it all back together with Chicken Launcher, and they sent it back to the Americans and said, we don't know what to do. We've got some serious problems here. You've got to help us out. And the Americans looked at everything, and they sent back a one-sentence reply. Thaw the chicken. Let it sink in up in the balcony. I say, let it sink in. Fall the chicken. If you put a frozen chicken at 300 miles an hour, friends, that is a cannonball. You got to fall the chicken. And with one sentence, it all made sense. And that's what the Apostle Paul's doing right here. You see, if you look up at verse 14, at verse 12, he says, now when I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, I found that the Lord had opened a door for me. I still had no peace of mind because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I said goodbye to them and went to Macedonia. Paul's saying right there, we have got this great opportunity in Troas. I mean, God has opened a door. And as a missionary, let me tell you, when those doors open, we got to move in there. And he's saying it's a great opportunity. But Titus doesn't show up. Oh, for crying out loud. I don't know why Titus didn't show up, but he doesn't show up. He, something happened, and he didn't make it, and they missed the opportunity. You jump down further, and it says in verse 17, Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ, we speak before God with sincerity, like men sent from God. So you go to verse 12. We got a wonderful opportunity. We can't do it. Opportunity missed. Down in verse 17, we see that there are people who are out there 
promoting the gospel just for money. In fact, Paul says they're peddling the gospel. They're doing it like some salesman out there trying to just make money. And so Paul's thinking, well, surely people don't think we're like that. And so he's dealing with, we had a great opportunity. There weren't enough workers. And over here, we got people bad-mouthing that they're doing terrible things. And, we, and Paul's dealing with all this confusion, all this chaos. We, you know, you could just, and here in the middle of his letter, he says, wait a minute. I'm going to thaw the chicken just a second. Let's put everything back in perspective. We can focus on this chaos over here. We don't have an open opportunity. We can focus on the chaos, or we can look exactly and see what's going on here. Paul says this, but thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. Right in the middle of this, this it's, it's, it's all just falling apart. He says, but wait a minute. Thanks be to God. He might lead us. No. Sometimes lead us? No. Really wants to lead us? No. Paul the Apostle says he always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ. Always. Always. You see, Paul is talking about a situation, a thing that would happen in Roman history that the Romans did militarily. You see, they would have situations where there would be a large army coming toward the Roman army, and they may not be ready. So what they would do, they would send a smaller army out to fight them. They would tell this group of people, now you need to know, you're not going to win. But maybe you can slow them down. And upon occasion, some young, prior, or young lieutenant would raise his hand and say, look, I'll take my men, we'll go. And so they would look at him and say, okay, you guys go. You're going to be slaughtered. You're not going to live through it. You better hug your family. You better kiss your wives. Hug your mothers because you are there never going to see you again. There's no hope for you. And they would go into battle and they would be slaughtered time after time. But it would slow the army down so the Romans could get ready to then defeat them. But upon occasion, every once in a while, they would send that army out, that small group of people out to fight them. And while they're getting ready, they would look, and that group of soldiers would come back. And when they say, well, what are you doing? Well, you're not going to believe this. We met the enemy, and we won. We beat them. In fact, here are some prisoners that we brought with. These are the kind of people we fought. And the Romans so celebrated this. They said, this is amazing. We are going to have a victory parade. We're going to take a parade, and we're going to go through the city, and we're going to put that lieutenant in the front. We're going to put all these people back there. You're going to march to the city, and the people are going to line the streets. We're going to put the captives in the parade so they can see the kind of people you captured. And we are going to celebrate. We're going to burn insects going in the city, and there's going to be all this smell in Rome, and there's going to be a big celebration to celebrate the victory that you You've achieved. And so when Paul, in the middle of his cast, he stops everything and he's reminded of that. Because you see, friends, when you're a teacher with 12 disciples walking around doing signs and wonders and preaching the good news of the kingdom, and they take and arrest you, and all your friends vanish. And they take you in a, in, a, in a courtroom and they find you guilty and they sentence you to crucifixion and they beat you and they put crowns of thorns on your heads 
They, they, they're, gonna, they're, they're beating you. They, they lay you down and they nail you to a cross. And they nail nails through your hands and through your feet and you're hanging on a cross. There is absolutely no way you're gonna win. And when they stick the spear into your side and it comes out blood and water and you're finished and they put you down and they put you in a tomb and they lay you there and they roll that stone away, you are, you are not gonna win. But Paul is reminded right here that when Jesus Christ came out of that tomb three days later, he won, not just for that day, he won for every day. Every day he wins. He wins, thanks be to God, he always wins. And all we have to do is get in line with him and follow him. And he takes it, says, you see, friends, I've been there when I said, God, where are you? I've been there when I said, God, why? I've been there. I have said these with this mouth. I have said, I think God's setting this one out. I know that feeling. Like, God, where are you? I know that feeling. I know the feeling of God. There's no answer for this. There's no hope. I know all that. And when that happens, I got to come back here. Because I can see, is it still there? I've literally taken this Bible here and I've opened it up and said, is it still there? Thanks be to God who always, 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 always leads us in a triumphal procession. It's not just a walk in the park. It is a victory parade that he wants the whole world to know. And we get to be in it. Thanks be to God. He always leads us. He always leads us. We just, no matter what happens, he's leading us in a victory in him. And that he just didn't win the victory on that day, that first Easter. Friend, he wins it every day throughout eternity. But this is the point. And through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. Everywhere. Wouldn't you love that? The fragrance of that day when they would have the incense in the streets, it would go everywhere. Those soldiers could smell it. The neighbors could smell it. The captives could smell it. Everybody can smell it. The church, as the church, we are not only called to follow Christ with this victory parade, we are called to be the fragrance of the knowledge of Jesus Christ to everybody. We're to be the fragrance everywhere. I love the word it says. Let's make sure it's there. I want to check it. It's still there for the fragrance. And through us spreads everywhere. Everywhere. I believe if one thing that God is doing in Marquita and I is he wants to see us, he wants us to be using taking the gospel everywhere. To the remote places, to the places you don't even know exist. And God sees the people every day. To places that we don't even think about. We didn't even know we're there. And God sees these people. Living in Europe all those years. God started moving our hearts toward unreached people group. And while there are unreached people in Europe, there's not many unreached people groups. And so we started looking around, what were the unreached people groups? And we found an unreached people group above the Arctic Circle, the Sami, the reindeer herders. And so I went to my friend Phil, who lived in Stockholm. I said, Phil, let's go to the Sami. Phil said, okay, where do you want to go? He said, he said well, I'll tell you what let's do. Look, we, got 12, we sent out emails to everybody we knew who might know somebody who knew anybody among the Sami people, just trying to make a contact. We sent out 12 emails, and nobody responded. 
Two weeks went by, nobody. We didn't get one response. Nothing from anybody. Phil was a young guy, and he said to me, what do you want to do? I said, well, let's just go anyway. He said, well, where do you want to go? I said, Phil, I don't care. You pick it. So Phil picked the furthest town that you could fly to in Sweden, above the Arctic Circle. We were going to go for three days just to see if we could meet some Sami people. We got off the plane, and it was a blizzard, second week of October. One of those kinds, you guys know, where all you can see is your feet, the ground. Barely see just where you're walking. There was just, you couldn't see anything else. Got into the hotel, spent the night. Next day, the snow, snow and ice everywhere. Went out and walked, met some people, but didn't meet any Sami people. Second day, we're, we're leaving now in 24, you know, eight, you know, 30 hours, we're out of there. And then that next morning, Phil and I got together. We're praying, saying, God, we'd, we'd like to meet some Sami people, Lord. It's about meeting the Sami. Phil and I went out for a walk, and we're walking down a hill on the sidewalk, and I slipped on the ice. Now, slipping on the ice is one thing. That landing's a whole nother thing. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you know exactly. I mean, I don't know what it is. I mean, everything in me jarred. Stuff I didn't even know I had jarred. I mean, I hit the ground so hard, I jumped up. I said, Phil, we're finished walking down hills. I'm not walking down any more icy hills. That's it. There was a street going this way. I said, we're going this way. So Phil and I went walking. We went about four blocks, and there was this building, and it said Sami Parliament. It's kind of like the, the Choctaw Nation in Oklahoma. It was Sami Parliament. So Phil pulls out his phone. He's doing the selfie thing and taking pictures. And I said, Phil. Let's go inside. Now, that's where the season pays off because Phil said, we can't go in there. I said, yeah, we can. All they'll do is throw us out, right? Worst thing that happened, they throw us out. So Phil and I went in this building. We're walking around, looking around. We've never been here, don't know anybody. And a lady walks up to us. She's talking Swedish to Phil. Her and Phil are doing the Swedish thing. I'm trying to understand with my Dutch when all of a sudden, the lady stopped and said in English, are you Phil? Whoa. She said, I got your email. I just didn't know who you were. She was the public relations director for the Sami nation and a follower of Jesus Christ. That night we sat and, I mean, I should, I should tell you this. We, we walked into a town where we didn't know a single Sami person in the, that morning. And by lunchtime, I'm having lunch in the Sami Nation cafeteria with Sami representatives all over the place. That night, I sat in the home of these friends that now have reindeer herders. Marie and Hauk, I sat in their home. And, I, and we had a lovely night eating reindeer meat right off the bone, friends. They just throw the bone on the feet, throw you a knife and say, have at it. It was awesome. We sat there that night, and I was just having fellowship together and finding out that her and her husband were followers of Jesus. And I asked this question, do you know another single Sami believer among you that lives around here? And he looked at her, and she looked at him, and they looked at me then and said, we don't know another single Sami believer that lives in our community. Nobody. My heart broke for him. Can you imagine living in a world where you, were the, you and the person you're sitting next to were the only two Christians in Aberdeen? That's it? That's it? How do we take the gospel? How did how just you and the person you're sitting next to ever reach Aberdeen with the gospel, just the two of you? My heart broke for them. And this is where missions gets involved. 
And it'll be real quick to let you know, thanks to help from churches like yours and with BGMC, we were able to work with them. And today there is a church in that town for the Sami people to the glory of God. To the glory of God. You know why? Because the fragrance is supposed to go everywhere. Everywhere. Marquita and I went down to Suriname. We was telling Sunday school, we, we get on a, in a car for three hours driving to the jungle. We get out of a car and we get into a boat, which is really a tree that they've hollowed out. We get into this boat with a Johnson outboard motor on the back. We go, we go an hour and 15 minutes to go walk into a village to meet people who don't have running water. They don't have, you know, electricity is just the, the, the machine that works and makes it all happen. They collect their drinking water from the rain, brushing their teeth in a river. We're talking about people who don't have a lot. And we take the gospel to these people. We're getting ready to leave a village, the village of Lipidoti, the village of Baku, villages you've never heard of. And yet Jesus has heard of every one of them. And not only that, he knows the name of everybody that lives there because the fragrance is supposed to go everywhere. There should be nowhere. No one should ever, out of sight, out of mind, should never apply to anyone because out of sight, out of, out of mind does not apply to Jesus Christ. No one is out of sight or out of mind for him. He died for every one of them to stand up in front of a group of children who you would think were in Africa. You're standing in South America, and these little kids are there who have literally nothing. And they're sitting there, and you're speaking Dutch to them, and they're speaking Dutch back to you, making fun of your hair. <laughs> There's just something to that. The fragrance is supposed to go everywhere. Everywhere. We were getting ready to leave spending a day there leaving and the boat driver said will you pray over my house sure I'll pray over your house so our friends are we went to he stopped the boat we walked in his house was about as big as this of the platform right here maybe smaller he had a little front porch of a screened in front porch we took our shoes off there's no there's no sidewalks or anything he took his shoes off at the door we walked in we walked into his little living room his name was Beecher, and he, he said, pray over my house. And he got down on his knees. Oh, Jesus, just, I just want your blessing in my life, in my house, in my house. We prayed for him, and while we were praying for him, a prophetic word came that said, just as you take people from one village to the next with your boat, God will use this house to bring people from death to life, from darkness to light. God's going to use this house right here for people to be transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. We get up. Amen. This is great. Put our shoes on. We're walking out. I'm putting my shoes on when two ladies walk up. What's going on here? It was Beecher's sister and his niece. We presented the gospel to them, and then we asked that question that is asked hopefully every Sunday in churches all over. Would you like to ask Jesus to come into your life? And they both said, yes, we would. And they came to Christ right there on Beecher's porch, right in his house. Beecher told us later, it's funny, I've ministered to them many times, and they've always said no. But today they said yes. Because you see, the fragrance is supposed to go everywhere. It's everywhere. Everywhere. We go now to go to isolated islands, isolated places, people that live difficult places to get to. 
We're called to be the fragrance because it's supposed to be everywhere. And we can sit here today and say, well, that's really great for above the Arctic Circle. That's really great for South America, the jungles in South America or the islands. That's great. But you just don't know my situation. I know a situation years ago where a young couple had three little kids. They lived on a poor farm. The husband had to work construction, drank a lot, all kinds of problems. The kids started getting a little older, and the, the wife knew nothing about church. She didn't know anything, but she kind of remembered maybe kids ought to go to Sunday school. And so she went to her husband and said, can I, can I take the kids to this? And she named another denomination. Can I take them over here? And the, and the husband yelled and cursed and said, no, you, you don't take them there. If you're going to take my blanket-to-blank kids to blanket-to-blank church, you'll take them to the blanket-to-blank Assembly of God church. And so this woman took a few times, but it didn't really matter. Life went on, the kids got older, and one day, an elderly lady in town met this lady and invited her to a Tuesday morning Bible study. Now, this woman had never been to church. She doesn't know anything about church, really, didn't, doesn't understand anything, but this lady reached out to her, took her into her home, came to the lady's Bible study, presented the gospel to her, and this woman gave her life to Jesus. She started going to church, and at church, she didn't know anything. She said, well, if the pastor says we're supposed to do it, then that's what we're supposed to do. But Pastor Ben, okay, just only. The pastor got up and said, you're supposed to come to church. So she said, I got to go to church. Pastor said, you're supposed to go to Sunday school. Got to go to Sunday school. Supposed to come to prayer meeting. Got to, oh, by the way, during the week, you need to read your Bible. Read your Bible. Supposed to memorize scripture. Memorize scripture. Supposed to pray. Got to pray. Got to pray a lot. Pastor says we got to pray. And one day the pastor said, you got to, we need to tithe. Tithe, what's that? Well, you're going to give 10% of your money to the church. And the lady said, well, I don't, I don't work outside the home. So she went back to her husband. Hey, this thing at church, they want us to tithe. And the husband, well, he's, he's mad. They want to do what? They want 10% of your check. Boy, he's cussing and yelling, what? He's all mad. They want, but he, he loved his wife. He, okay, fine. So the lady, he told her, I'll tell you what. As long as there's food on the table and the bills are paid, you can tithe. Friends, I dare you to test God with that. I dare you. That little lady said, okay. Started giving money to the church. And they had this thing called revival meetings. She didn't know anything about that either. But they said, we're going to have church every night of the week. So she went. Man, she, this is great. Husband didn't understand why she was going, but whatever. Kids didn't go. She went to this revival meeting. And she was coming home, and there were hills like this to the house. And she came over one of those hills, and the Lord showed her this stormy water with the husband and the kids and the whole families in the water. And this woman's trying to keep everybody's head above water when all of a sudden this big hand came down and started taking their family like this. I got them. And she believed that God told her, I'm going to bring a revival to your house. And man... She, she went from praying this much to out of control through the roof praying. Man, she got crazy about calling out to God. She would pound. She'd be up in the middle of the night. She, she's, oh, God, you said, you said you'd save them. You said you'd save them. And I'm, you're, you, I'm holding you to your word. And one year, about five years go by, when about this time of year, well, it was January, that letter came in the mail. You know, the one from the church that's got your, what you gave? 
and the husband got the mail. He opened that letter up, and he saw how much money he'd given to that church, and he was fuming. He was furious. We're giving how much money to this church? We're doing what? And then he made this mistake, the greatest mistake this guy ever made. I'm going down there to see what my money's going for. And friends, I learned the greatest lesson tonight. I sat there and I watched my dad run to an altar and give his life to Jesus. My family was changed that day. It changed everything because the fragrance wants to go everywhere. Not just overseas. He wants to go right here. He wants to come into your homes. He wants to go to your workplace. He wants to go to your schools. The fragrance has got to go everywhere. And he wants to do it through you. He wants to do it through you individually and corporately. Everywhere. My dad came to Jesus that night and he never drank again. And he served as deacon of his church for 30 years. And one of the last, the first things he told me when I'm leaving for missions, I'm heading out the door. He looked at me and he said this, Tim, sometimes you've got to let God do his thing. And that's what missions is all about. Letting God do his thing in your life. And he'll spread that fragrance everywhere. In Aberdeen, to Latin America, around the world, even where you, even into your living room and your kitchen. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, right now, Father, I just believe your Holy Spirit's at work because, God, I believe you want to touch people's homes today, God. God, I invite you, Lord God, to stir people in this room to see a revival in their house. A revival in their house for wayward kids, Lord God, for wayward children, for wayward parents, for siblings, for people who don't want anything to do with you, Jesus. Jesus, the people who want nothing to do with you, that's exactly where you're at work, Lord. And I invite your Holy Spirit to move and bring a stirring, Lord God, because God, missions is all over the place, Lord, and you want to spread that fragrance everywhere because, Jesus, there are people living right here in Aberdeen and around the world, Lord. They're living in the jungle, Lord God, and they have no idea that that there is a victory parade. That Jesus, you have won the victory. You, Lord, have won it. And Jesus, we get to follow you wherever you lead for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much, Tim, for, for sharing. If we could just put up that slide quick of, of where you guys are going. You're going to be spreading that, that fragrance, that aroma uh, down to these islands, these Dutch-speaking islands in, in the Caribbean. And just, just amazing. You know, God can, God can do it here. He can do it anywhere. He's, he's a winner all the way around this world. And I'm excited that we get to be a part of that. Uh, you're going to be bringing the gospel to some more unreached people groups down there. You're going to be bringing the gospel... Into, into jungle areas, as you can see up there, uh, working with human trafficking, which is a big problem. You're talking about in Aruba and, and different places. And, and it's just amazing that we can be part of that, that we can help uh, this couple get down there and, and, and spread, again, that victory parade, because we believe that there's many more who are going to join that parade. God's not done yet. 
God's not done yet. So I'm just so thankful for that. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing from your heart of what God's done. Thank you for sharing your story too. Just incredible work. So today, uh, we want to give you an opportunity to do a couple things. We want to give you an opportunity to give. Uh, we also want to give you an opportunity just to just to respond today as well. Uh, but first off, let me give you an opportunity to give. You see the instructions on the screen there. If you'd like to support this ministry uh, of what God is doing, uh, you can give through the offering envelopes uh, that are in the back of the pews there. Uh, just write down, you know, check the box for the missionary or write Sutherland's in there. And, uh, and you can drop that in the offering plate on your way, way out this morning. Uh, also, if you'd like to give online or give through a text, you can just, uh, if you give text, just text missionary and then the amount to that number. Or online, make sure you check the box for missionary so it goes where it needs to go. But anything that's, that's not labeled otherwise today is going to be going uh, to our missionaries, to, to Tim and Marquita and, and just the ministry. Uh, he said they're about 85% raised, I think. And so you guys are almost, you're ready to get on the field. And uh, we're excited. You know, maybe maybe even one day we can partner up with you. You can show us some of those jungles and, and we can send a group down there and, and just really get to be boots on the ground of what God is doing and be the aroma of Christ everywhere we go. So that way, because I believe, you know what? Our missionaries aren't going to be the only ones who get to tell these stories. I believe each one of you get, are going to be able to tell stories just like that of what God is doing. Maybe it happens in your own house. Maybe it happens on a, on a mission strip. Maybe it happens in your workplace. But God's going to use you to tell stories of transformation because that's what it's all about. So I want to encourage you, partner with these guys, partner with this ministry. We're excited to, to, to uh, be with them every, every month, giving to them down there and what God is, God is doing. Uh, so let's just pray for just a moment. Jesus, God, we give you this offering, knowing it's not our money, but God, you've provided everything that we have today. We can't take it with us, but God, we want to use what you've given us to make the biggest impact while we're on this earth. God, to reach more people, to take more people with us to heaven. So God, we just pray for this area. We, we pray for these people. God, that they're going to be reaching down in, in, in the Caribbean, down in, in, in Curacao and Suriname and Aruba and all these different islands. God, we just pray right now that you would use this offering to further your kingdom. God, to, to, to further the, the triumphal parade and spread this fragrance everywhere, your victory. God, that many would come to know you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And today, let me just give you an opportunity. If you've never experienced that victory in your life, if you don't know Jesus and you'd like to know Jesus, you can know Jesus today. You, you can be part of that victory. Maybe you've been walking around and you just feel like everything's defeat. Like everywhere you turn is just a loss. Like you're not good enough. You don't have to be good enough. That's why Jesus died on the cross for us. That's why Jesus gave us a second chance. And so today I want to I give you that opportunity as well. If you need to know Jesus, uh, we, want, we want to give you that chance. And it doesn't take anything super special. You don't have to say just the right words. All you got to do is pray from your heart and just pray, Jesus, save me. Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, rescue me. I want to make you the Lord of my life. I believe that you died and rose again. You can have that opportunity today. So I want to give you that chance. And so would you just bow your heads right now? If there's anybody in this room and you say, yeah. I need Jesus. Would you just raise your hand? I, I want to pray with you today. Is there anybody? 
Anybody on the main level, would you just say, yeah, I need Jesus today. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody in the balcony? Just catch my eye. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just pray this together. Dear Jesus, we need you. God, come into our life. God, forgive me. Make me new. Make me clean today. I want to make you the Lord of my life. I want to join you in that victory parade. I, I want to spread that, that aroma to everyone. That all would know your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Today, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it today, you're, you're in that parade with us. God's doing a new thing. God's doing a big thing. And I'm believing for great things today.